going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 259 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be taking a look at the week eight main slate on DraftKings. We'll get into some slate specifics, talk some chalk, look at everything you need to know to win a tournament, leverage, stacks, long shots. Joey, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday afternoon? Doing well. I'm doing well. Ready to dive into what is officially Big Dog Week. Woof, woof. <laughs> Let's go, man. I'm, I'm excited for this week. I think that this is a really interesting DraftKings slate, and I'm excited to discuss it from a Vegas perspective. All right, 11 game main slate, seven games early, four games in the afternoon. We've got three games this week with totals of 49 or more, including Miami at Detroit with a slate high 51 and a half. And then we have six games with totals of 43 or less. So this is a slate where there are a few games that appear to be a cut above the rest with several just absolute dumpster fire games to parse through as well. Also worth noting, this is a slate where eight out of the 11 games have spreads of three and a half points or tighter. So a lot of potentially close games this week. The top five implied team totals, Miami, 27 and a half, Philly, 27, Minnesota, 26.25, Dallas, 26, and the Las Vegas Raiders, 25 and a half. Joey, what is standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think that some of these games should be relatively high scoring, in my opinion. You know, you have the Dolphins-Lions game, you have Vikings versus the Cardinals, which I think uh, will be one of the premier games on this slate. But other than that, just more so a, a look at what we don't have. You know, we don't have the Bills on the slate or the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Ravens on this slate so the Bengals the Bengals yep so we don't have you know these elite offenses these elite quarterbacks on the slate and from a DraftKings perspective it is kind of ugly um the player pool is kind of ugly this week especially at the quarterback position but nonetheless it's a week of football it's a good week to be alive and to you know hopefully win money but most likely tilt our faces off. I think this is a bounce back week, man. I've got some contrarian takes. So, you know, naturally I'll I'll be all in on them and and naturally they'll all lose, but, but maybe uh, we run good just once, just this once. That's all I need. Please. Week eight. (laughs) Come on. Okay. Quarterback position, Joey, this is an interesting one. And, And I think a lot of that is in part to what you just referenced and the lack of elite quarterbacks on this slate. No Josh Allen, no Patrick Mahomes, no Lamar Jackson, no Joe Burrow, $4,000. This is the story of the week. <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts benched Matt Ryan, and what that presents us with is our first viable 4K quarterback in Sam Ellinger at home against the Washington Commanders. Can we mm. do it? Can, can we make this play 4K Sam Ellinger? I, I don't know. It's disgusting. But contextually, with the lack of elite quarterbacks, we may have the perfect storm for Sam Ellinger week. Yeah, any other week... I would have said absolutely not. You can't play Sam Ellinger at 4K, and I would have left him alone in cash. But as I referenced, with all those teams not on the slate, we have one quarterback above 8K and two quarterbacks including the one quarterback above 8K, two quarterbacks above 7K, and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. Other than that, he really does not have to compete with much at the quarterback position. Tua is obviously in a great spot. He's 6,200. Daniel Jones is in a great spot coming off of a ceiling game, 5,700 against the Seahawks. Other than those guys, he's not competing with those other elite quarterbacks. So in terms of this week eight slate, I think it's totally fine, and I think it's probably optimal. He's projecting for around 16 points as it stands right now, which would be 4x, and at 4k, you'll gladly take 16 points out of your quarterback, especially when it will allow you to jam in the most floor-slash-ceiling in your lineup that we've probably had the entire season, you know, just freeing up the salary at quarterback. We've been spending... 8k on Josh Allen every single week so now we finally have in my opinion a viable punt quarterback option on a 
specific slate where there's no elite quarterback plays, in my opinion, this is the week to play him. And we know DFS is a week to week game. You know, we can't get caught up in the in the whole paying up for quarterbacks is optimal. This is its own standalone slate. And on this slate, I think he's the best cash game quarterback play uh, right now. Agreed. And, and contextually, because we're not competing with with Josh Allen and because the top tier of running backs is actually extremely strong this week, whereas as typically mm-hmm. we've been living in the mid range, this does open up the ability to play Derrick Henry, the ability to play Saquon Barkley, which is going to be very important as we'll get to when we discuss running backs. Now, some people may look at Jalen Hurts and and say that he's comparable to Josh Allen. It's like, why is Hurts different than Allen? And and yeah, Hurts has had a really strong floor ceiling combination, but at 8,300, I think you need a higher floor. You need that Josh Allen 25 plus point floor, whereas Jalen Hurts realistically can get you under 20 points. He's done it twice out of the last three games. Now, I I don't expect that. I expect Jalen Hurts on average to put up more than 20 points, put up, you know, between 24 and 30 points. That's the type of quarterback he is. But you're taking on a lot of risk by paying 8K for a quarterback who can get you very comparable games to guys like Tua, like Danny Dimes. So for that reason, I, I agree with you. And even those guys like Tua is in a fantastic spot, like we reference the Dolphins have the highest team total on the slate they're facing the Lions this is an absolute smash spot for Tua but that 2k is going to come in extremely clutch especially when the mid-range at wide receiver is loaded when we have multiple Mm -hmm. running backs that are in great spots in the pay-up tier so I think I'm on board with you man I'm ready to play Sam Ellinger. <laughs> Vegas has some respect for this guy, right? They've, they've got the Colts favored in, in his first start at home against a very beatable Washington defense. And you were telling me pre-show that there's some reason to expect optimism when it comes to Ellinger as a rusher as well, which would make him an even better cash play. Yeah, so in college, Sam Ellinger, you know, in the Big 12, so one of the premier conferences in college football, at Texas, he ran for 554 attempts as a quarterback total through four years, 1,900 yards, and 33 touchdowns. So this is a quarterback willing and able to run the football. So I think we're getting some sneaky rushing upside out of Sam Ellinger. His burst score, 87th percentile. Love to see it out of a quarterback. Obviously, six-round pick, not great. From a just pure quarterback perspective, pocket passer, he's probably you know, the worst starter in the NFL, not probably he he is the worst starter in the NFL, but you honestly don't need him to do much through the air. It's a good matchup. They're at home and he could run the football. He's 4k realistically, like even if he busts and gets you eight to 10 points, like that's still not killing you at 4k, especially if he's going to be the highest owned quarterback on the slate. So I think the only way he fails is if he gets you like two points. And as a quarterback, that's just very unlikely that he gets two points in a game and and Um, the Colts have to think that there's at least some potential with this guy right like they're not benching Matt Ryan when the Colts are are three and three if they don't for the season yeah they benched him for the season so for for this yeah so they they gotta have seen something you would think like you would think they they have to have seen enough to be like all right he's the better option at quarterback right now or he gives us the best chance to have a top three draft pick. It's either one of those two. It's probably the latter, and they're probably just using this as a tank move, right? But if for some reason it is the first and he is the better option, I mean, he can get you 12 points in this spot. At least I think. And if he gets you 20, you're sailing to the fucking money. So... I I like Sam Ellinger. That would be my lean in cash. In terms of Danny Dimes and Tua, how are you comparing them as plays? Are, are the savings just too good with Ellinger to really seriously consider going there in cash? No, I, th- I think they're very good plays. I mean, Tua in the best game environment on the slate according to Vegas in a smash spot with two elite wide receivers I mean can't go wrong with Tua Daniel Jones 5700 in a smash spot against Seattle his rushing floor is very very underrated 100 yard rushing game last week and you know Brian Dable comes from Buffalo a team that we saw with Dable run the hell out of Josh Allen and you know I think he just understands that using his quarterback's legs is probably a good strategy and Daniel Jones can't canned and he's one of the best in the NFL so you're getting a nice rushing floor out of Daniel Jones but I still think the ceiling is just extremely limited because of the pass catchers and the talent 
around Daniel Jones outside of Saquon. So I don't think he's like some like must lock smash play, but he's definitely a good play. He's kind of reminiscent of Geno Smith last week, in my opinion. So I, yeah, I just think that on the slate like this, there's not a lot of options. You could poke holes in, in some of these guys. And at 4K, you're just not taking a lot of risk with, with the starting quarterback in the NFL that has rushing upside with a decent cast of skill position players around him. Totally agree with that. I, I would be more likely, I think, to play Tua just because I think the access to ceiling, especially in this game, is higher than Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, the Giants are just playing teams extremely close, and I don't see Seattle being able to, like, push extremely hard in this game. The Giants have a decent defense. They're down DK Metcalf. They're shifting more run-heavy and leaning on Kenneth Walker as he begins to ascend in the league. So I think that this will probably be a lower-scoring, close, competitive game, whereas the Dolphins game you know, I, I think there is actual shootout potential. So I, I would be more interested in flirting with Tua there and, and the potential ceiling than I would with Daniel Jones. But six plus rush attempts in every single game this year, Daniel Jones is a high floor play and, and would be very viable. But just for the sake of consolidating the player pool, I think we're really looking at Tua or punting it off to Ellinger. That, that's how yeah. I'm viewing cash games this week at quarterback. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. At the running back position. You started us off with this. It, it, it's Derrick Henry week, man. Big it's, dog. It's big dog week. 8,400 against a team that, to, to say that he's dominated the Texans would be an understatement. I mean, Jesus Christ. Talk a little bit about what Derrick Henry's done against the Texans in recent in, in recent years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you just want to look at just utter domination, you'll pull up the last three game logs of Derrick Henry versus the Houston Texans. Jesus fucking Christ. All right. Derrick Henry, last three games against the Texans, 250 rushing yards, two touchdowns on 34 (laughs) attempts. 212 rushing yards, two touchdowns on 22 attempts. And 211 rushing yards and three touchdowns on 32 attempts. Average 6.6, 9.6, and 7.4 yards per carry. My God. And this is arguably a worse Texans defense than those defenses that he dominated. Now, they are on the road, not at home. But the thing with Henry now is he's involved in the passing game, which we love to see. Okay. Four straight weeks of having two plus targets. And out of those four weeks, he's had three plus targets and three out of four with 13 catches over his last four games. And I think that's more so just a factor of the Titans losing a bunch of pass catchers and their pass catchers being hurt. You know, they're they're coming into these games with like four active wide receivers and Robert Woods and Westbrook Aquina and then just scrubs behind them. So I think it is just a function of the Titans being down bodies. But nonetheless, Derrick Henry is a massive, massive favorite, in my opinion, to go over 100 yards and score a touchdown in this spot against Houston. I honestly don't see a scenario in which he fails in the in this game. Going for his fourth 100-yard rushing game in a row in the nut spot. Fuck 100 yards rushing, man. If I'm Derrick Henry, I'm looking at this game, and I'm looking at Adrian Peterson's single-game rushing record of 296 yards, and I'm thinking that I have a good shot to fuck. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he could. Derrick Henry's a lock for 25 plus touches in this spot at 8,400. He's getting used in the receiving game. Touchdown upside, obviously extremely high with the big dog. I mean, poke a hole in the in this play. There, there is, he's 8,400. That's 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 the only concern is he's one of the highest priced running backs on the slate. But I mean, god damn. You're going to get 25, 30 touches in, in, in the best spot on the slate. And not only that, but like the other running backs that have been underpriced have, have gotten boosted a little bit. Like Josh Jacobs is up to 7,500 now. You know what I mean? It's like we have the salary to do it. He's in the absolute goat spot. He's dominated this team throughout his entire career in, in a way that just other players haven't been able to consistently do. So I think Derrick Henry is a stone cold lock this week. And Saquon Barkley for 300 less is in a similar territory. I mean, just an absolutely elite spot for Saquon against the Seattle Seahawks. He hasn't really been the ceiling guy. We haven't seen him go over 22.6 points since week one against 
the Tennessee Titans. But this seems like a spot where a ceiling game is squarely in the range for Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, kind of just a similar situation to Derrick Henry. He's in a very, very good spot going up against the Seattle defense that is fourth worst in the NFL. Houston is the worst rushing defense in the NFL, by the way, giving up over 164 yards per game. The Seahawks right there giving up over 149 rushing yards per game. Saquon, obviously one of the most talented running backs in the league, gets used in the passing game a ton. Obviously, Derrick Henry does have more catches than Saquon over their last four games fun fact so 8100 for Saquon he's a smash play this week also very similar to like the Giants just don't have bodies at the wide receiver position you know they're they're trotting out Darius Slayton Wandale Robinson and who Richie James he he might even be hurt David David Sills like they're they're just trotting out guys out there um so Saquon 25 plus touches guaranteed 8100 smash spot we got two elite running back plays this week and with Ellinger at quarterback I mean you could definitely make it you could definitely fit both of these guys in and be sailing to the money. Yeah, no, it's definitely possible. I think whether or not we're jamming both of them in will be a question to answer on Saturday. Also, for viewers of our Saturday night, late night live streams, we are changing the time. This week, we will be live at noon Eastern on Saturday. So tune in there. We'll have some more thoughts on the cash game construction when that rolls around. Outside of these two elite plays, Joey, I mean, the big news that that broke today is that Zeke Elliott missed practice with a right knee injury. As the story develops, it's looking like a torn MCL. He seems highly, highly doubtful to play this Sunday, which gives us Tony Pollard season. 6,100 at home in a great matchup against the Bears on a short week on the road. I mean, Jesus Christ, like Derrick Henry and Tony Pollard legitimately might give you 60 points between the two of them and it includes Saquon in there you might have a hundred honestly I mean Chicago third worst run defense in the NFL so you could realistically play the three running backs that are absolute smash plays going up against three of the worst four run defenses in the NFL this week in Houston Chicago and Seattle and they're all very good players talented players with a ton of upside in Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, and Saquon Barkley. Tony Pollard, 6,100, obviously still kind of priced up a little bit. DraftKings obviously didn't know Zeke wouldn't play in this game, but 6,100, smash spot, assuming he comes into a more voluminous role. And this is kind of what we were talking about on the on the recap, right? Is if Pollard would be able to sustain a, a substantial workload, I guess we'll, we'll get to see it starting here now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was basically the crux of our conversation. It's like at this point, Pollard is quite clearly the more explosive back, but the Cowboys are too, you know, financially invested in Zeke to ever make that switch. But the decisions being made for them, at least this week. So yeah, I mean, Pollard, 6,100, he's not, you know, cheap by any stretch. But if, if DraftKings knows this coming into the week, he's 7K plus, you're still getting a ton of value on Tony Pollard. And I mean, he'll be massive chalk, obviously. Like everybody knows that Tony Pollard Pollard's a great running back and he's a Zeke injury away from being an elite shoe in RB1. But if he comes in at say 70, 75% in cash, that's still 25 to 30% of the field giving up free cash by by not playing him. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's a stone cold lock, I think. And it really just comes down to whether or not you're playing both Henry and Barkley or just playing Henry in cash. Frankly, I don't think that we really need to get too deep outside of these three guys when we're discussing cash viable running backs this week yeah no I, I think the cash running back pool is very shallow this week I think you're considering Pollard Henry Saquon and then Kenneth Walker at 6,500 looks pretty solid Josh Jacobs I mean you got to include Josh Jacobs in the running back pool conversation 7,500 this week so you are getting a little bit of a discount off of Henry and Saquon if you were to go to Josh Jacobs but I mean the, the dude has just been playing incredible we got to take our L on Josh Jacobs just absolutely snapping three straight games with 33 plus on DraftKings finally raised his price to where he probably should be and where he's going to be for the rest of the season and you know he's just looking like a different running back this year it's that simple I mean he's playing like he is about to lose his job or something he's he's playing like he's literally going to get killed if he doesn't perform well 
I mean, he's he, and, he's playing like and, his team declined his fifth year option, and he wants to get the fucking bag. And and guess what? He's about to. <laughs> yeah, that that's probably a good motivator. Is uh, millions of dollars. So he's just playing extremely well. That's all it comes down to. And seventy five hundred. I mean, he's in consideration as well. Absolutely love Josh Jacobs this week. I I mean, I don't know. I don't want to dig myself into a position where I'm consistently uh, fading Kenneth Walker, but I don't want to chase last week's performance. We kind of talked about how if that game goes differently, he could easily get scripted out, wasn't targeted at all in the past game. And just because of the quality of other running backs, I don't think you need to go back to Walker this week. He is still a great play. I I don't want to get it twisted, but I feel like I would more so be looking at Walker as like a price point pivot off of Pollard stuff for tournaments. And just, you know, keeping it simple and making the best plays, which would be Pollard, Henry, and Barkley this week. At the wide receiver position, we're going to need to save some salary, right? If we're playing Henry, if we're flirting with playing Barkley, also Tony Pollard, we need to find some semblance of value. Chris Olave, to me, stands out a ton. And and with Brees Hall exiting for the season, Chris Olave is squarely in play to finish as Rookie of the Year. He has been absolutely consistent. Dude has had 12-plus fantasy points in every game since week one gets a really favorable matchup here against the Raiders doesn't look like we're going to get Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry back at least at this point in the week and his target share has just been absolutely elite I mean he had 14 targets last week against Arizona at 6k Chris Olave is looking like he will be one of the most chalky plays on the slate and, and for good reason yeah I mean Chris Olave is just a fucking stone alpha he really Obviously, is. I think some of this is going to be determined based on whether or not, you know, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas are available for this week, because I think that will definitely cut into the target share. And I think he'd be a worse play at 6K. But I mean, if those guys are out, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, it doesn't fucking matter. This dude's going to get 10 plus targets. It's a good spot at home against the Raiders. And at 6K, I mean, he's just a very, very good play, you know, 30 plus percent target share. Like that's elite. No other no other word to describe it. That's elite. Chris Olave has been balling out. He's a very, very good play this week. So I, I do think he is probably going to be the chalkiest wide receiver on this week eight slate. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, both absent at Wednesday's practice. Definitely important. We will keep an eye on that as the week develops. DJ Moore got bumped $400, but his price tag once again looks really strong. We talked about playing him last week, but I, I mean, I think that it was was justifiable especially in cash not to go there it's just like dj moore has had the opportunity all season we knew it would get better with no robbie with no cmc but trusting pj walker in that particular spot seemed thin but this spot is even better and now we've seen dj moore actually have some production you know finally And 10 targets on 22 P.J. Walker throws last week equates to a 45.5% target share going up against the defense that's giving up the most fantasy points to wide receivers this season at 5,300. D.J. Moore looks absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, he's going to project well coming off of his best game of the year and there's nobody else there to really compete for targets so he should be a target share monster but I also don't want to overreact just off one game you know we've we've seen this entire season this Panthers offense be bad I think they just ran into a very good game which is definitely possible uh, obviously any given Sunday but I don't want to keep on betting on this Panthers team DJ Moore is obviously a very talented player but I don't think he's a smash play at all this week I mean the targets should be there but the upside is still extremely low the floor in my opinion is still extremely low and this is not a spot where you know I want to chase points on one of the worst teams in the NFL in a game that could just be horrible so I don't think he's a bad play by any stretch but I definitely don't think he's a smash lock you know 5,000 lock of the century this week yeah. uh, at 5,300 so I mean, for sure. And and I would have no problem getting away from him in tournaments. In fact, I, I probably will have zero DJ more in tournaments this week, but for cash, it just makes so much sense. And I totally agree with you, especially about chasing points, but the matchup also lines up incredibly well for him with Atlanta. So, I mean, I think that you probably do go there in cash. Are, are you on board with that? Yeah. I mean, he, he fits the builds. So I, w- I would be comfortable playing him, but I don't think he's that 
great of a play outside of matchup and, and target opportunity uh, just because I, I think there's just a lot of ways that this Panthers offense stumbles that this game is just shit and that PJ Walker you know turns into what he actually is and that's probably one of if not the worst start starting quarterback in the NFL and doesn't have a career game last week yep so I, I agree with that for sure definitely seems like a letdown spot for the Panthers in general after they you know shocked the world and embarrassed uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks and a potential bounce back spot for Atlanta as well so I could definitely see Atlanta you know winning this game pretty easily but we'll see how that goes in terms of some of the other wide receivers that I, I think get owned a lot pretty much everybody from the Dolphins game I, I could see getting steamed you know Tyreek Hill at the top 8500 will probably be very popular his season is off to a monster start I mean he's on pace to have the best season of his career with Tua you know better than any year he had in KC I think Jalen Waddle at 6700 is under Priced. The Lions defense just doesn't have the talent to keep up with either of these guys. I mean, that's why I think two is such a great play and both of these receivers are great plays. This could easily be a ceiling game for the entire offense and the targets are so consolidated. I think that they both stand out a ton this week and Amon Ross St. Brown sees his price drop once again below 7k he exited last week because the third party concussion doctor or, or whatever you know saw him stumble on the ground he got out i think it was revealed that he's still in the concussion protocol because of the rules in the league but they do not believe that he actually sustained a concussion he should be good to go this week 6900 is just too cheap obviously really painful to be in on Amonra last week and see him exit the game early kind of out of his control but you know if he comes into this game Lions should be trailing should be a fast-paced game Amonra 6900 I mean 12 plus targets incoming yeah I mean it's a good spot for Amonra. It's a good spot for the Dolphins pass catchers. And maybe we get, you know, one of those early season Lions games where this game goes nuke. Definitely within the range here. I think out of these three guys specifically, Waddle should be the highest owned at 6,700. I think that, you know, almost a 2K price discrepancy between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle isn't really justified, in my opinion, when you're looking at their target shares. But Tyreek Hill's upside, obviously, extremely high. And, you know, he is the favorite to lead that game in targets. So he's obviously a smash play. And if you are playing a wide receiver 8,500 and above, you're probably going to Tyreek. But Waddle looks very, very good at 6,700. Amon Ross St. Brown at 6,900 also looks really, really good. So I think that both of those guys will have some ownership. And I think the wide receiver that will also have quite a bit of ownership in that range is DeAndre Hopkins at 7,400. Coming off of a 14 target game, you know, he played in the slot quite a bit. They made it a point to scheme up specific plays for DeAndre Hopkins and you know we were talking about it prior to the pod and I said that uh this this game is probably the game that I want to target on this week eight slate and the game that I think should be the highest totaled game on this slate in Arizona and Minnesota so at 7.4 D Hop looks really really good and he's really not competing with with anybody of note in that Cardinals offense so he'll he'll probably be up with the with the Tyreek Hill Devontae Adams of the world here shortly so I think you are getting a little bit of value on DeAndre Hopkins and you know we always want to be in on these guys early before they get priced up Yep, and I, I totally agree with you in terms of thoughts on this game environment. I could see this game going wild, but with DeAndre Hopkins, it is worth noting that Call of Duty dropped this week and Kyler Murray's <laughs> expected production is just doomed to fail over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, COD drops uh, 10-28, so Thursday night, 12 a.m., this is when you when you could play it Friday Friday morning technically right at at, at midnight. Uh, multiplayer drops Warzone two, one of the most anticipated Call of Duties ever, especially since OG MW two was probably the best COD to ever drop. Facts, facts. So we we can uh we can expect either a nice dip in production or do we get you know like a Chiefs narrative going here where where all of these guys are playing COD together and Warzone together and it, it brings this Cardinals team you know from the brink of death 
that's actually a really interesting argument. We did find out that, you know, Kelsey and, and Mahomes and MVS and Juju were all playing Warzone together, got a couple of dubs, and then proceeded to drop, what, like 44 points on the number one defense in the NFL. So, I mean, maybe there is some positive COD correlation and, and all the research done into Kyler Murray's post-Call of Duty release stats has has just been variance. I think that's very possible. I'm, I'm going to look into whether or not DeAndre Hopkins plays COD or not. We got to do some deep digging and find out if- I if, don't think he does. He doesn't look like a he doesn't look like a COD type of guy. Nah, he, he seems like he's all business, you know? So yeah. I, I kind of No think video that, games at all. Mm-mm. So I don't I don't know if these guys will be bonding uh, over the sticks. We'll do, some, we'll do some research and get back to you guys on the Saturday stream. Other than these guys, the last receiver that I think has a chance to be really popular in cash games is Tyler Lockett. He's been projecting really well all season, especially from a points per dollar perspective. He does get the price bump up to 6,500, but no DK Metcalf we could see the targets become very heavily consolidated but the Giants have done a good job at locking up wide receivers and we saw last week that even with Metcalf leaving early the Seahawks didn't just lock in on Tyler Lockett they were getting Marquise Goodwin involved they were getting D Estridge involved and they were just hammering the rock with Kenneth Walker I think we could see a similar game plan so just expecting Tyler Lockett to all of a sudden have an even better target share than what he's had I think is tough and the matchup isn't great the price is getting up there i don't think tyler lockett is a must play but he he should be a good play yeah i i don't think you're playing him in cash to be honest uh there's still in my opinion some concerns about the hamstring and now he's finally priced up to 6500 200 less than Jalen waddle yeah you know 400 less than amon ross st brown rather have both of those guys the matchup isn't great against the Giants who have been one of the better defenses in the NFL this season but the target opportunity should be off the charts with DK Metcalf sideline and the only people he's competing with now is Marquise Goodwin Dwayne Eskridge Noah Fant Will Disley yeah that's about it so I think he's a good play I think I'd prefer Waddle St. Brown D-Hop in that range and they're all priced in the same range so I think Lockett's a bad cash play, but he's definitely a good tournament pivot for sure. All right, moving on to the tight end position. No Kelsey, no Andrews this week. We've got George Kittle, 5,700. Darren Waller back at practice on Wednesday, 5,400. A couple other 5K guys and Zach Ertz. Great game environment. Dallas Goddard looks good at 5K. Just don't see us really going up to that range in cash. So Irv Smith, 3,500. Dalton Schultz, 3,700. I could see that being the range. I don't know. What are you thinking about as far as tight end goes for cash this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's a pretty fucking ugly week at tight end. We obviously don't have the pay-up options. The mid-range options don't look great. I mean, we're definitely paying down, right? So like you said, Irv Smith, 3,500 looks okay. Juwan Johnson, 3,200. If Adam Troutman is out once again, Hunter Henry, 34, eh, whatever. Really no pay down tight ends that are standing out to me at least right now. So I would say the best is is probably Irv Smith at, at 3,500 and just get exposure to that Vikings-Cardinals game. And if you play DeAndre Hopkins, it's a nice correlation piece. So Irv Smith would definitely be my favorite as this might be the worst tight end slate of the entire year. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I mean, there are some spots that I don't mind going in tournaments. Like I think Mike Jasicki is interesting this week. The Lions defense is abysmal in all ways. Jasicki did flash a seal two weeks ago against Minnesota had six for 69 and two touchdowns the Dolphins are also actively shopping him so you know they might try and get a big game out of him you know in the final days before the trade deadline I think Pat Fryermuth for tournaments is interesting we've talked at length on the podcast about the way the Eagles play defense and how that lends itself to susceptibility at the tight end position Fryermuth back at practice on Wednesday had nine targets the last time he touched the field some some spots you can go in tournaments for sure but yeah I think cash you're probably looking at Irv good matchup he's getting you know four plus targets in every game since he got his roll back Dalton Schultz isn't terrible to me at 3,700 had a 20% target share in Dak's first game back and then if we want to get really 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 disgusting Joey we can punt it off to Chris Myrick who will start for the Giants in place of Daniel Bellinger do you have any interest in going there 2,800 uh no fucking shot. 
No, I mean, no chance. Seattle, worst defense in the league against tight ends. There's a case. It, There's a case to be made. No. The the case for the punt tight end is the other Giants tight end, and that is Tanner Hudson mm. at 2,500. Chris Myrick is just a blocker. He's a blocking tight end that, you know, would would probably see two to three targets in this game. Nothing more, nothing less. You're probably going to get two to four points out of him. Obviously, the, the thinnest play of all time this week would be kind of just buying into Tanner Hudson being the pass game tight end for the Giants with Bellinger out with an eye injury and, you know, hoping that Tanner can repeat some of the preseason performances that he's showcased over the last few years. Tanner Hudson there would be the punt if you are thinking of punting, but yeah, it's it's not great. He did play on 37% of the snaps last week. He ran five routes obviously not great only one target with Bellinger out does that increase I think it does it does I mean Bellinger has been very involved Daniel Jones has traditionally liked throwing to to tight end maybe if we nail the right guy we got some equity here but probably just going to stay away especially if we're on the Ellinger build you just don't need to go that far and and you can just sort of live in that 3k range where at least you have access to like a 15 point ceiling which I, I think is at least good if you're punting off quarterback like Chris Myrick is so bad that player profiler doesn't even have his 2022 season stats up damn and they, but they, they have but they have Tanner Hudson's interesting okay interesting I mean interesting interesting all right, in terms of tournament strategy, leverage, stacks, and long shots, I mean, I'll start off with leverage and just say that, like, one easy way is by playing, you know, zero Sam Ellinger in tournaments. If he's going to be the highest yeah. owned quarterback on the slate, that's oh, yeah. an easy, easy fade. Easy, easy fade. And then I, I think there will be a couple of other clear leverage spots. I mean, if you want to try and get super crazy, you can play the Titans passing game off of mass, massive Derrick Henry chalk. That's probably bad, but Robert Woods may be viable as a strict leverage play. I also think you could do the same in the Miami-Detroit game with all of the ownership consolidating amongst the wide receivers. DeAndre Swift back at practice on Wednesday should finally return in this game. Obviously a very high ceiling play and I don't think that the ownership gets steamed at 6,800 Swift could be a phenomenal leverage play if Amon Ra develops into chalk also on on the other side getting off of the Tyreek Jalen Waddle chalk and playing Raheem Mostert and, and Mostert to me is a phenomenal play he's been between 62 and 72 percent of snaps in four straight games meanwhile Chase Edmonds one of the biggest busts of the best ball offseason under 30 percent of snaps in three out of the last four Mostert to me looks really good he's had touch totals over the last month of 17 19 15 and 20 also getting more involved in the passing game last week with five targets which he converted into four catches for 30 yards and a touchdown lions have a bottom five rush defense if Tyreek and Jalen Waddle don't get there it could be at the hands of a two touchdown Raheem Mostert game definitely like the thought of going there in tournaments as a price point pivot off of guys like Pollard and Walker yeah I definitely think Mostert is good for sure 5900 just pretty cheap for a player in one of the best offenses in the nfl you know becoming you know a volume guy right like he's getting used in every facet of the game obviously i think the upside and ceiling is a little bit low just when you take into account like the context of the dolphins team and how they really want to play and i think that's just like getting the ball to tyreek and jalen waddle but nonetheless still a good pivot off of pollard chalk and off walker chalk i think ramondre is interesting as a nice play at 6400 as a you know leverage play off of tony pollard and walker interested to see where his ownership is going to come in at but coming off of you know a career game in terms of catches eight catches eight targets 59 yards kind of did ice damian harris in this last game i think moving forward we can expect harris to play a little bit more (laughs) but (laughs) But Ramondre, 64 looks pretty solid, and um, I, I do think that the chalk build is going to be paying up to one of or two of these elite top running backs. So, I mean, you could definitely fit, flip the build this week, and I, I think that this is the week of all of the weeks that we've had to target some of the high-priced wide receivers. I think they're all in very, very good spots, Tyreek Hill, 
Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, I think are all in play. And I think just uh, building your tournament lineups through the high price wide receivers and getting off some of the chalk there and uh, getting on to some of the good running back pivots in a, in a pool where, you know, we don't have as much smash running back value as we've had over the last three or four weeks. So I do think that this is a very good slate to go a little bit more contrarian and just get off the chalk at running back, um, especially the cheap chalk, because there, there's just not like a total smash like Josh Jacobs or Kenneth Walker, or, you know, Ramondre Stevenson a few weeks ago, you know, so I you don't think Pollard is in that same tier? I mean, he's in that he's in that tier for sure. But I think that from a projection standpoint, you know, all of those guys that I mentioned are probably better values than Pollard will be this week. That definitely makes sense. And for tournaments, I totally agree. Flipping the build makes a lot of sense if you can access ceilings in Ramondre, DeAndre Swift, maybe Damian Pierce, Mostert, like we talked about, Michael Carter in this game, same price as Mostert, fifty nine hundred. The Jets did trade for. James Robinson this week, although they are reportedly going to work him in slow. I think Carter has a pretty good role this week. Just a matter of what the Jets are able to do offensively without Brees Hall being the engine of the offense. That is something that remains to be seen. If you are flipping the build and you are getting up to these high-priced wide receivers, feels like a good time to talk stacks. And, And my hot take of the week, Joey, is that the highest scoring stack will come from the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, 6,100 to Justin Jefferson. 9100. I absolutely love JJ this week and I think that he'll be very hard for a lot of people to fit with Derrick Henry being as popular as he should be, as Saquon Barkley being as popular as he should be. It's just going to be hard for people to get up to that range and then even if they do pay up at wide receiver, I think it's more likely to go to guys like Tyreek Hill or DeAndre Hopkins. So, Justin Jefferson seems like he has a chance to get lost in the mix this week. I also think there's a psychological factor of a guy being priced above 9000 Like, even though the difference between Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson is only $600, people look at that differently when it's up to 9 k just because you rarely see that on DraftKings. So I, I think that mm-hmm. psychologically that keeps him down. It would be different if it was like Tyreek was 82 and JJ was 88. I, I truly believe that. So, I mean, Justin Jefferson, 9100 in an absolute smash spot, three consecutive 100-yard games. In week five, he put up 33 points on DraftKings without a touchdown. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. I I love Justin Jefferson this week, and I think that he's a smash play at 9,100. If his ownership comes in, you know, around 5%, which I think it has the opportunity to, he might ship everything this week. Justin Jefferson is definitely an elite play for sure at 9,100, and I definitely do agree that, you know, there is a psychological factor with playing, you know, a guy above 9K, especially if it's not a running back, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do agree with that, and he's definitely a good pivot off of Tyree Kill and Derrick Henry, who seven hundred cheaper, right? Seven hundred dollars, not that much on this slate uh, with some of the value that is available to us. So definitely agree, Justin Jefferson smash play, and like I said, I think that this game should have been the highest total game on the slate over the Dolphins and Lions. So I'm all over this Cardinals and Vikings game. I like stacks on both sides of the ball. There, I think my favorite stack. You know, if I'm not choosing one of those two, I mean, this is a, this is a this is a terrible week for stacks. Ben. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't think you need to go crazy on, on stacks. I think you can run, you know, a nice mini stack with your quarterback, one pass catcher and a bring back and just try and hit on mini correlations throughout the slate. I mean, I, there, there's just not that many high upside stacks on this week eight slate. And there's not a ton of quarterbacks that are going to kill you. So, I mean, if there's a week to get crazy at quarterback in your stacks it's this week and just hope that you run into you know some good variants just because guys like Daniel Jones Geno Smith Jared Goff uh I mean if if, if I'm talking about low on sack it's the Lions Jared Goff Amon Ross St. Brown probably won't be long but Jared Goff will maybe another Lions pass catcher and TJ Hawkinson who's a little priced up maybe Josh Reynolds something like that maybe do a swift Amon Ross Jared Goff stack Jared Goff 5500 tournament winner could be man I mean all the shine is 
off the Lions offense that, you know, after the first four weeks of the season was like the number one offense in the league. They've obviously fallen off a cliff pretty hard over the last two games. They played six points total against the Patriots and Dallas, two road games. Now they come home. Now they get Amonra back. Now they get Swift back. If the ownership doesn't catch up to the expectation of this team bouncing back on offense, I love that. I think that two of doubles are really strong this week. I mean, we've seen the ceiling at this point that they they can all go nuclear together. Obviously, the game in week two where they all put up 40 plus, this is a great defense and spot to attack. So I like two of doubles with your Swift or a Monra bring back. That and Kirk are my two favorites. And man, I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal stack as well. AJ Brown will get completely lost in the shuffle for some of the same reasons we talked about with Justin Jefferson. He's priced at 7,700, just in this strange price range where I think people will either opt to play DeAndre Hopkins for cheaper or make their way up to Tyreek Hill for 800 more. We talked about why the floor of Jalen Hurts isn't comparable to Josh Allen, which I think takes him out of cash play at 8,300, but the ceiling is absolutely there, and we haven't seen the A.J. Brown ceiling game since week one. Hasn't put up 20 plus points since that week one game against Detroit. I think this could be the spot where we get a nice 30 ball out of A.J. Brown at potentially low ownership. Seems like a play that would be pretty sharp to make on a, on a slate where quarterbacks just don't have the same ceiling that Jalen Hurts does. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Devontae Smith, I think you can include in there as well at 6,300. Probably will be a good pivot off of, you know, the, the Chris Olave, Jalen Waddle chalk. You compare with Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith obviously has ceiling games in his range as well. Obviously, the concern is just the Eagles getting up big and then they just don't play football in the second half and they just run the clock out and they're not like the Bills where they'll come out and still let Jalen Hurts rip it when they're up 25 points. So that's the only concern. But nonetheless, I think the Eagles players are very good. Uh, we didn't really talk about Miles Sanders much, but Miles Sanders is also having a very, very good fantasy season, averaging 15.1 DraftKings points per game. He's kind of priced up a little bit, priced more than Kenneth Walker, which is crazy to me. So so maybe he's not maybe he's not in play, but there's definitely some good tournament plays on this Eagle side of the ball as this entire team looks like it's going to go under the radar in one of the best spots on the board this week. So I like that call. For sure. All right. Long shots, Joey. Who you taking a stab at at under five percent ownership? I got a good one. All right. The cheap wide receivers aren't going to be played much this week. We have value at the quarterback position. We have value at the tight end position. There's some pay down running backs you could go to. I think the balance build is probably going to be the most optimal build. And then DJ Moore at 5,300 is going to be like the, you know, the quote unquote pay down wide receiver this week. I will bet against my own team and I will bet on a nice squeaky wheel narrative in Elijah Moore at 4,700. Okay, okay. 1% owned. Probably going to finish with three points, but they obviously lost the Brees Hall. I think that they're going to have to transition to a more pass-centric team, even though they traded for James Robinson. And, th- I mean, this is a total long, long shot, and Wandale Robinson at 4,700 is probably the, the better option here. But, you know, you said under 5%, Elijah Moore, 1%, squeaky wheel, very talented wide receiver. This Patriots defense is not good. You know, they, they have the eighth by their name. They could still get torched, especially in the slot with Miles Bryant being our slot corner. You know, they'll probably put Jonathan Jones on Garrett Wilson. That will leave Elijah Moore and, and Corey Davis to, to feast against Jalen Mills and Miles Bryant and, and Jack Jones, even though Jack Jones is, is pretty good. Yeah, 4,700, Elijah Moore. Millie Maker long shot right there that will probably not hit, but you know, you, you want you want a lone, you know, narrative play? There you go. I, I actually like that quite a bit. I think it makes a lot of sense to like run Ramondre and Elijah Moore as a little two-play correlation this week. Corey Davis's status is very, very much up in the air. He had an MCL tear. They're saying he's day-to-day. I personally believe that he's probably on the more doubtful side of questionable that's something we'll keep an eye on all week but i definitely like that quite a bit and just like schematically everything you said makes a ton of sense to me had elijah moore written down on my list as well i think he is solid this week wandale who you mentioned 
won't be super sneaky, I don't think, but he is looking like a really strong play as well against Seattle. Saw his snap share rise from 23% to 69%. Had eight first half targets before, you know, coming down with a slight tweak and not getting targeted again for the rest of the game. But like, I mean, he was on pace to have just a monster target share last week and his role figures to continue to grow. No Kenny Galladay, no Kadarius Tony early in the week. So those are two guys that I like below 5K to mix into tournaments as well. I already mentioned Justin Jefferson. He's going to be my favorite tournament stamp this week at wide receiver. I also, I mean, this is, I don't know, maybe maybe this is bad. You could, you could tell me what you think, but I don't think anybody plays Christian McCaffrey this week at 8,700. You have to pay up to be contrarian here. Obviously, Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley from a projection standpoint are going to blow him out of the water, but is it crazy to picture the Rams getting smoked by San Francisco in a bounce back spot this week and Christian McCaffrey who had 10 touches after getting about three days to get acquainted with the offense comes in and has a monster game, especially if it's a positive game script for San Francisco. I think McCaffrey is interesting, thin, but interesting for sure at 8700 Good price tag for a player that is one of the best fantasy assets in the entire league. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, 8700 Christian McCaffrey in other years, we'd be jamming, right? We, we'd be jamming him in. And now he's in a better scheme. Debo is dealing with a hamstring injury. Maybe that opens up more opportunity for some other players. And 10 touches on, what, 23 snaps, 24 snaps, something like that yep. last week. Just imagine what he's going to do on a full complement of snaps. And, and this man is a dog. Like, he he doesn't need three weeks to get fully acclimated. Like, this man's going to come out this week and, and be a centerpiece of the offense, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree that they're going to make CMC, like, the focal point of the offense. And, you know, he was playing out wide. He was playing in the slot. Shanahan's just going to use him in a creative in a variety of ways. So at 8,700, I mean, he's definitely a good play, and I and I want to have exposure to CMC this week. But, I mean, Derrick Henry and Saquon are just such good fucking plays this week, man. Like, for sure. Derrick Henry, I mean, if he doesn't go for 102 minimum, like, the slate is rigged. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think Derrick Henry is a must play, and I'll have a ton of exposure in tournaments. I don't care what the ownership is. The, this is just a <laughs> impossible to fail spot. I really truly believe it would take an injury for Derrick Henry to fail in this game. Yeah, like 100 plus rushing yard upside easily, multiple touchdown upside. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're not uh, we're not seeing the negatives, but I mean. Jesus, Derrick Henry is such a good play this week. I mean, dude, like 10 minutes ago, I just I heard like dog barking in my head. I don't know if that was real or not. I don't know if I'm just hearing the big dog or, or what. <laughs> that is about it for this slate. The, the last thing that I will say before we get out of here, I think as the trade deadline approaches, there are a lot of names being thrown out. Very important to stay up to date with news this week. We could see players get moved. I think it's actually likely that we see players get moved throughout the course Mm -hmm. of this week, which could change the context of some of the value. Brandon Cooks getting floated, AJ Green getting floated, Chase Claypool getting floated. If any of these guys moves, that could change the dynamic of the slate and some of the players we're targeting. Make sure you stay up to date with all of the information and content that we are producing throughout the week. We'll have multiple videos up on the YouTube channel, which you can find at Dose Media Network. And of course, the Saturday stream at noon Eastern this week. Stop by, say what's up. You can find us on YouTube or Twitter for that. And that is going to be it for episode 259 of the DFS Dose podcast. Podcast. As I said, you can follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, join our inner circle via the free Discord chat. You can find the link to do so in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.